Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Here is how to start an argument. Post an opinion on Facebook, then wait. Seems everyone is more than willing to correct, condemn, blast, humiliate, censor, criticize, or simply pass judgment on you. Try it. You'll see what I mean. This is not necessarily a bad thing. It's good to know the opinions of others, especially when you host a radio program on religious liberty because then you're armed and ready to talk to Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, about some of the pressing issues in today's world. Issues like this one. Can a Bible-believing, Christ-centered, Ten Commandment-keeping person be president of this or any country? Lincoln, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I'm going to get into trouble, whatever I say on this one. <laughs> but, but I think it's a, it's a question that, that begs to be discussed, even if we can't define absolutely whether or not. Yes. Uh, at the end of the day, this sort of thing depends upon character. And all things are possible. I've just recently given a sermon on Joseph. You know, he was the under Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. uh, he wasn't elected, and that's probably a big difference. But, you know, there have been people of virtue and faith that have ruled countries. But what troubles me lately is our democratic or more correctly uh, representative system that works with the will of the people through voting. Uh, the dynamic that's been created favors, in fact, I think almost requires a certain uh, dissembling. Let's just be using an old word rather than, where did I hear it recently? Someone says there's lies and there's fibs. Well, you know, fibs, <laughs> it could be childish, but every politician indulges in these oh, childish yes, immoralities yes, all the time. Yes. And I doubt any of them could be elected if they told the truth. You know, the whole process requires not just this dissembling, it requires alliances with morally reprehensible groups. It requires great compromise at times. And as we, we've seen uh, with the deadlocked uh, legislative system, you know, an ideological party that I wouldn't equate with Christianity per se, although they contain many religious bigots. Mm -hmm. But, you know, an ideological group, as we've seen lately, who will not compromise because things are so non-negotiable, you know, it locks the country up. The system cannot function with that. So you have to look at it on a personal level. If someone had a watertight sense of personal morality, you know, unimpeachable morality and honesty, could they even be elected, much less rule? in our modern system. It, it's something that no one much talks about. It's on my mind today because I read in the latest Washington Post an interesting quarter-page uh, commentary by Richard Cohen, one of the regular columnists on Nixon's lasting damage. And, you know, Richard Nixon, who I still have a soft spot for personally, yeah. but, you know, he famously once looked at the camera and says, I am not a crook. I am not a crook. <laughs> <laughs> And no, nobody believed it. And he was absolutely a crook at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And in fact, it ended by saying Nixon was virtually a cinematic creation, a man <laughs> of such character flaws, resentments, hatreds, and insecurities that it's hard to keep your eyes off him. And it says Watergate and the cover-up were his downfall, and they were no, no doubt about it. Breathtaking abuses of power as obscene as the language he often used. Yes. But the same article said, you know, Ronald Reagan, it says, ever the innocent. Mm. I listen to a lot of talk show programs where Ronald Reagan is like the, you know, the, the guardian angel <laughs> of politics. And 
Uh, you know, I liked him as well as anyone, but you would have to be naive to think that Ronald Reagan was a morally pure politician. Mm. He uh, misled and even appealed to bad sensibilities. This, this article said that Ronald Reagan went down south and gave a speech where he uh, appealed to states' rights, mm. which was just coded language for racism. Yeah. And in his own kind way, was encouraging some of the worst angels of American history. So, you know, these sort of things do beg this essential question that, that people like to think positively about, but they don't think of the detail. Is personal integrity destroyed by the very process that we're uh, becoming uh, more than fixated on? Is it becoming a necessary aspect of public life the higher one gets up? That is a question that I asked myself. If I wanted to run for president, you'd vote for me, wouldn't you, Lincoln? Of course you would. If I wanted to run for president, and the first time someone came to me and said, now, Charles, one of my advisors, now, Charles, you have to say this. And I'd say, well, that's, that's not true. But you have to say it because it's for the greater good. Or we have to go over and we have to kill these people. Well, the Bible says thou shalt not murder. But I know, but if we don't kill these people, bad things are going to happen to more people, so you got to go kill these people. I kept thinking about all the situations that I would find myself in where I could not condone or command or allow what is normal in politics to take place under my watch. How can anyone of that kind of person, nature, of character, that I'm I'm not the example, but I'm certainly, uh, I try to be, how could anyone who is trying to be that Bible-believing, commandment-keeping Christian even think about being a president? And we know right now we have people in our midst who are doing that very thing. How can they do that? I don't know. The question almost answers itself there. When you used a a term that that resonates with me, because I've much taken with it, the common good, Hmm. That's taken grip with people of, of, of so-called Christian uh, higher morality, and yet it has within it the worst abuse of human sensibility. It's an open door. It's exactly the argument that was used by Caiaphas to put Jesus on the cross. You know, better that one man die than the nation should yes, perish. Yes. And so common good, emphasizing good, but it means that for the overall good, you do a little evil to uh, keep the whole good. Well, you know, the, the, that was Lucifer's attack and the serpent's attack in, in Eden. Yeah, you're told not to do this, but if you do that, a little good will come. You'll be more knowledgeable. Yes. You'll be more intelligent. Yes. You'll be a better politician if you just bite that apple or whatever fruit it was. Yes. We've really got to be careful about that. And when we're talking about religious liberty, common good is opposed to the real principle of religious liberty, which is always a minority. Mm-hmm. It's how you defend the minority that shows your respect for the principle, not supporting what most people want. You don't need a a principle of religious liberty to ensure that the majority will be given freedom on their their religious rights. That will always happen in any system. The majority, by definition, even in a dictatorship, not a common dictator who will oppose the majority will. People forget that. A dictator exists on the support of most people in his country. It's the, the few, the minority, the person with religious sensibilities, the person with, with, a, with a moral difference from the others who's prepared to die and might be required to die yes. by such a leader and such a system. 
You know, what we're doing is we're straddling the two testaments here. In the Old Testament, we had Joshua. Joshua was a man of God, and he took the armies, and he went and he got the promised land, and he wiped everybody out, and he was doing it in the name of God. Then you cross that testament divide, and you have Christ. Here is a new man of God. Here is God himself who says, turn the other cheek. Do not harm people. Love people. A new commandment I give to you, love everyone. Joshua as president or Christ as president? What do we do, Lincoln? How do we, how do we join those two together where we have to do what Joshua did, but we want to live like Christ said? Well, you know, it's a very th- thank you for asking me this question about <laughs> what, how many minutes from the end of our program. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> well, the, the simple answer, and it sounds cute, but it is the simple answer. They knew the, the voice of God back in the Old Testament, and God was accomplishing at that time and place for his people, what he will do at the very end of time by the final judgment to prepare a scorched earth, if you like, that will grow green again for God's people to live in forever. Mm -hmm. He was doing that back then. They had to be very careful, and even with the command of God, there were the most bizarre things like Saul sparing the king because he liked uh, the privilege of of, of deity. You have the king thinking he was the high priest. You had all sorts of excesses. You had Jehu. You know, God said he wanted to work through him, and Jehu went off literally like a madman, murder and mayhem everywhere. The record even of the Old Testament is it's a dangerous thing to do the will of God. But we're past those times. And as you say, Jesus revealed the overriding principles for here and now on God's kingdom, if you like, that it's nonviolence, it's love and respect for our fellows. And if it comes to it, it's allowing them to even worship a piece of wood if they choose to do so. Meanwhile, encouraging them to find the true God. All of this needs to be allowed. We are not given to force people's conscience. We are certainly not given, even though it's in the Quran, I'll use this little thing, we're not given license to hide our our moral viewpoint, to trick someone into supporting us when we actually think otherwise. Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your no be no. We're supposed to be morally transparent, and politics as it's devolving is anything but. Well, I think you answered that pretty good. I guess what it comes down to is... I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we were a nation of God-believing, God-fearing, God-obeying people, a whole nation, all the way from the president down to the janitor in the White House. The whole nation was that way. And along comes an enemy or a challenge. I wonder what would happen if we say, okay, we are standing here against this with God as our partner. Israel did it. They took the choir out singing, and it says they went in the beauty of holiness, and God destroyed their enemies before them. And I don't know that we could do that in every case now, but if you're really that committed, that monolithically godly as a nation, I have to believe that God would reveal himself in a powerful way. Uh, Remember England, and I wouldn't make them to be as pure and holy as ancient Israel, (laughs) but, you know, England at the time of, of fierce Protestantism, when a Catholic power would have destroyed them, and the Spanish Armada came. A storm, not the English fleet primarily, a storm blew those hundreds of ships north and wrecked them on the north of England. Yeah. The Japanese have styled themselves, because of their history, as the divine wind that yes. destroyed the uh, Chinese invaders. I think there's still a divine wind, but we'll never find it as we'll long never. as we depend upon the anything but divine wind uh, politicians' promises and prognostications. <laughs> Well, I think that we're both in agreement here, Lincoln, because of the way the world is and because of the way this government works and because of the type of enemy we have facing us, that 
it probably would not really be possible right now to do what we're saying here, to be a God-fearing, God-believing, commandment-keeping president. It just wouldn't work. And we need to focus, and anyone that's listened to me a bit and read Liberty will know that I'm always calling for personal integrity and, and uh, spirituality. That's where the, the real challenge lies, not on changing our politicians by some edict, yes. but we need to recognize the dangers in, the, in this political leadership. But the saddest story I ever heard that I think illustrates this well is President Harry Truman, who as a historian, I can appreciate his presidency. But Harry Truman, for all of his, you know, uh, moral certitudes, was put into there by a mafia guy. I think it was out of Kansas City. And he once told someone when he was in Washington, he said, just because I was put here by a mafia chief doesn't mean I can't be an honest politician. And as I've said before, I think that statement answers itself. No, (laughs) you are morally corrupt. Not everything he did was, obviously, but the question mark was too big over him. He showed at the starting gate that he could be bought. And that's not, from a moral perspective, what a Christian would want to aspire to. It may be from the point of real politic and some of the models of Henry Kissinger's political viewpoint. You could do a good job in in administering a country, but it's not from a point of morality. It's not from a point of Christian character. Mm. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Thank you for wading into this very important question. Yeah, wait again. And now I'll take my boots off and run. (laughs) (laughs) Right, very good. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.